0: i like to welcome everyone once again. We appreciate the devotion. Um, <clears throat> the Lord was definitely working in uh, bringing the services into a common theme. Uh, my message this morning, Lord willing, will deal with some of the issues that Brother Kevin brought in, Brother Darren brought out in his devotion. And um, I think it's something that. We have become complacent about, that happens with continual exercising of any thing that you do in your life, any function. You get, you get to be where you, you get complacent. You don't put the same effort, or you don't think about the importance of the um, function that you're performing. It can happen in, in machining. Uh, I was a machinist. <coughs> And you get to the place where you do it so much, you just do it by rhythm, by you know, you just have it. Uh, muscle memory, you, you don't think about it. And you think about when you first start doing it, how particular you are, how precise you are. Uh, and later on, it's just like you fly through it. And usually that's when things go wrong, uh, when we become too confident in uh, what we've done in the past. And we do that in, in the song service. Not only that, but in the preaching, we we come here every week, Sunday morning, Sunday night, hopefully, Wednesday night. We greet everyone, we talk about the week's events, um, gripe, complain, whatever. whatever. And then we sit down and sing a few songs, listen to the preacher preach. We go home and before we get to our home, we've already forgotten probably the vast majority of uh, what we experience there. And so it's very important that we learn to apply ourselves to these things so that we can enjoy them longer and we can benefit from them. We can can mature and grow in those things. If you turn your Bible to the book of Ruth, we're going to uh, go through some things here today. Actually gonna pull a little section out uh, of our study here and and kind of probably meditate on that, that function, that word, because it's an important part of the book of Ruth. It's one of those characteristics of the book of Ruth. Uh, It talks about the providence of God. We talked about the past. It talks about the mystery of God, how that some of the things that God did was a mystery. We don't understand. Uh, Let me give you a verse scripture to to have in mind. Uh, Put it in your Bible. When you come to these kind of things, it's Deuteronomy 29, 29. You're going to come to a place sometimes in your life where you don't understand why did God do that? Why is he allowing that to happen? Why does he seem to contradict himself and do things that then he tells the others not to do it? And there's some things like that in the Bible. And first of all, God never contradicts himself. God is always consistent with what he does. And he had a purpose and he had a mindset. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are... Higher than our ways, but Deuteronomy 29 says the secret things belong to God, but the revealed things, the things that He wants us to know, belong to us and to our children and to all generations. It's um, I think the truth of it is though we like to dwell on the secret things, and we want to find out why you know did God do this and you know why did God allow Naomi and them to go to Moab and for Nehemiah's uh, sons to marry this when it was forbidden. It's something they weren't supposed to do. And then one of the, the wives of, uh, I think, Killian, uh, she ends up being in the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, David, and, and down the line. And sometimes we don't understand, and sometimes we spend, and I've talked to people that've done this, we spend so much time in the mysteries that we really fall behind in the things that's been revealed that God wants us to know and wants us to do. And so sometimes it's hard not to want to chase these things down, but I knew a a story of a man, I I knew the man, but I don't know the facts of it, but I knew that he basically had emotional breakdown because he just could not bring together limited atonement, the doctrines of grace and free will. And so he just constantly tried to search this out and understand it. And um, some people understand it to whatever degree they need to. I've never had an issue with that. To me, my father-in-law taught it to me, and it made perfect sense to me. Uh, I mean, I just, you know, God said it, and I believe it, and that settled it, you know. But sometimes we don't understand it, and we want to find out, Brother York, I believe it was, used to make a statement. You'll come to scripture sometime and you won't be able to understand it. You won't be able to make it fit into what you're trying to study. And he says, just take that and pigeonhole it, he would say, into the back of your mind and just store it there and don't worry about it. If you you spent time investigating it, studying it, just pigeonhole that back in your mind, and sometime in the future, when God sees fit, you'll be reading something, and that will come right out and fit right there, and they oh, now I understand, you know. I, I use the analogy of a puzzle. When you put puzzles together, these little pieces of, you know, 10,000 pieces of puzzle or whatever, and we don't start in the middle of the puzzle. We do the simple things first, right? And studying the Bible is kind of like that. We... we do the things that we understand, gradually working our way into the picture, of the full picture, but you come to a piece that just doesn't seem to fit, but it's close. And sometimes we try to make it fit according to our understanding, and eventually it will distort the picture of the entire puzzle, in the sense of the analogy of the Bible. You take a scripture and put it in the wrong place, in the wrong context, wrong application, it'll distort the whole picture and that's what a lot of people do that can't understand some of the deeper doctrines. Sometimes you're better off just to put it aside for a while. Eventually, you'll be reading somewhere, not in the intention of finding that place for that, and God will just show you, boy, that's the perfect place for what God has revealed to me. And so, let God do that for you. But Deuteronomy 29:29, my father-in-law taught me that years ago because uh, I used to ask a lot of people why. Why did you do this? How, how come? What if, you know? My father-in-law wasn't one to get into too much discussion. My father-in-law was say, the Bible said it, that's what it means. <laughs> that was his definition. You know, God said it, believe it, forget about it. So not always a bad advice. All right, let's just begin reading here, and then we're going to get down into some of our thoughts. Um, Verse 1 says, Now it came to pass in the days of the judges, when the judges ruled, that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem of Judea went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And we talked about that, and we talked about decisions last week, I believe it was, uh, decisions, consequences for the decisions that we make. There's always consequences. Not always bad consequences, but there's always consequences. And then there's a cost involved. Uh, there's a cost involved in the decisions that you make. You, you're gonna pay something for it. And what we need to do is to stop for a moment and weigh that consequence, weigh that cost, weigh that choice before we jump into it. And we used some scriptures in Luke last week about the man building a, uh, a house and the man going to war. and and uh, we found out that all the Old Testament scriptures are given for us uh, so that we might learn the principles behind the things that are, are there. And so, before we make decisions, like Limelech here, there's no evidence here, no, no inference here of him going in prayer and asking the Lord, Lord, you know, I hear that they're doing well in Moab. Um, should I go to Moab? Should I move my family there until and, and the famine's over? We find him not searching out what God would have him to do. We've seen him making a decision. And that's what we do. That's the lesson that I believe that God wants us to get from here, is that many times we make decisions on so many things with never even considering asking God if he in favor of it. Do you want me to do Do you want me to take this job? Do you want me to move my location? Do you want me to marry this person? Um, Do you want me to do my children this way or that way? And and we don't even stop and pray and ask what God's direction will be. We just go into it um, without any consideration. And many times we find the same thing that Elinik found, his sojourn turned to be a long time, 10 years, and a journey that he didn't come back from. Neither did it as two boys. Uh, they get to come back from that journey. But Naomi does come back, and she comes back with one of um, the inhabitants of Moab, Moabites, named Ruth. And of course, as we get into the story here, we find that that's one of the main characters. Uh, Naomi, Ruth, Boaz uh, are the main characters, and we find their story in here, in desert. Uh, the events in their lives and choices that were made and how God worked through uh, his providence to bring Ruth to a certain field, we'll see, and eventually, and causes her to go there just happens to be Boaz's uh, field. And all of these wonderful things God's working in, that if we would just stop and think before we make decisions, God will lead us and direct us in those places as well. Proverbs chapter three, verse five and six says, Trust in the Lord with all your your heart and lean not on your own understanding but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. That is absolutely true. But trusting in the Lord is not easy. Turning your will over, turning your wants over, turning your desires over to the Lord is a matter of trusting the Lord. That's what that means trust the Lord. You pray, trust the Lord. You, you pray about this, you trust the Lord. Well, what if the Lord doesn't give it to you? Then evidently he doesn't want you to have it, right? Or at least not right now. God doesn't always refuse us about things in our life immediately. Sometimes they are granted later uh, for various reasons, circumstances, and so on and so forth. So we see that in making choices, trusting in the Lord. We talked a little bit about how can we find out God's will before we make choices. Uh, number one, of course, the Bible study. Read the Bible. God will never contradict himself, as we said. The Bible never contradicts itself. So if we read the Bible as we should and study the Bible as we should, we will find that there will be answers for those things that we should or shouldn't do. It may not be an exact answer, and I think sometimes we, we want things like that just because we want to make an excuse for not obeying God. But when we pray that we need a new car, you're not gonna find in there, yeah, go ahead and buy a Cadillac. Not going to say that. You know, it's not gonna say that. It's not gonna mean that God's gonna give you a Cadillac. He may give you a Chevy or a Ford or whatever. You, know, um, you, you have a need. He'll supply your need, not your want. Psalm 23.1, uh, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, you know. Um, that means I won't lack, I'll have what I need. And so, that's where we trust the Lord. We pray for a general sense, or we may even be specific, but God may answer it in a more general sense. And we should be able to trust him. He might say, this is what you're gonna do for now, and I think we'll see something about this a little bit in the message today. Uh, if you use it wisely, if you use it for my honor and glory, I may give you what you wanted later. Um, now, I don't know about you. I, I used to have a lot of wants. Right now, I just want to feel better. I have cheap right now. Um, but I used to want stuff. I'd see, I would like a little kid with commercial. Oh, I want that, you know. Uh, I want that better phone. I want that faster computer and so on and so forth. I want, I want, but I didn't need. And I, somebody made a statement one time, many times the Lord gives us our need, but we waste it on what we want. Instead of accepting it, this is what God wants me to have. Maybe down the road he'll give me the other thing. But I know this much. God's given me a whole lot more of my wants than I deserve. He's given me things I had no reason for God to give to me. Uh, He's given me better than what I asked for at times. And so he's always been a, a gracious God and a good God. But sometimes he holds back. Again, God does that for a reason. God holds back because he knows that if we get that, it will hurt us in the broader scope, the broader picture. I've used illustrations and, you know, I'm not picking on these things, it's just the things that pop into my little mind. But I may want to vote. I don't want to vote. I used to want to vote, but I don't want to vote. And I may pray and ask God to give me a vote. And I pray and pray and pray, and God, you know, no, no, no. And then finally, because of my persistence, God gives me a vote. And what do I do? On Sunday, when I should be in church, I'm out on my boat going fishing, you know, or it could be some other thing that we take that takes us away from God. And God knows that that's what's going to happen. I had a discussion with someone some time back about why uh, there's not more Christians that are millionaires. God could make everyone in this room a millionaire. Would that be nice? You know, right off the bat, if, if God gave you a million bucks, you, know, you think that's pretty sweet, right? Fairly. A lot of people have been given prosperity only to be hurt spiritually. And the Bible even talks about that, about the spirituality and how hard is I mean, uh, prosper, being prosperous, how it affects us in, in the world. What are you gaining? You gain the whole world, but who you is your soul, right? So, God will bless us. He will give us the things that we need, uh, but we need to make, take time to study the Bible we need to take time to pray and ask God before we make decisions. How many times do we do that? I, I know a preacher brother that told me and has said it publicly from the pulpit that he prays before everything he does. If he changes a light bulb, he prays first. Now that might sound silly. Unless you're me. There's a few times when I should have prayed before I tried to change a light bulb. And I know some other preachers Preachers in ladders just don't work. I was up on a ladder yesterday, and I tell you, I wasn't very stable on it. Uh, don't tell my daughter. She doesn't care. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, I think we should pray. And, and part of it is to get into the habit to realizing that you know, we depend upon God, right? We, we trust God. So we should pray before we make decisions, before we do things. Now, there are some things... I don't know how I'm going to say this. There's some things we don't really need to pray about. We don't need to pray about, Lord, should I go to church Sunday? You don't need to pray about that. That's covered in God's direct commands. You need to not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but we need to be exhorting one another and so much the more as we see the day approaching. We don't need to pray about, Lord, should I tithe on my paycheck this week? I'm running a little tight You know, I bought that extra thing, and my bank account's a little drained, so should should I tie? You don't need to pray about that. The Lord said, well, a man robbed God? Mm Where have you robbed me in your tithe and offerings? You know, you don't need to pray about some things that are revealed in God's Word. So we go to God's Word, we get the revealed things there. But there's some things that aren't clear, or maybe not covered, at least to what we understand. Some things in the Bible are precise and you can go to it and you can find an answer right there. There are certain things that you should and shouldn't do. You don't need to pray about those things. But there's some things that are kind of like what, you know, some people don't like the terminology, but the gray area. It's not really clear. So those things you need to study, and then you need to pray. Lord, I don't really understand. Is this okay to do this? Because there's some things in there that just don't you know, make sense to us. And we don't understand it. So we need to pray. And sometimes even after we've read the Bible, and even after we've prayed, we need to seek counsel. Believe it or not, there are people out there that know more than you. There really are. And I'm talking just strictly in the spiritual realm. Um, There's people out there that know the Bible, that know the Word of God, that know God's dealings in our lives better than we do. They know it because of experience. They've experienced things that we've never experienced before, and we talked about that some, didn't we? You know, sometimes we have never experienced certain events in our life. And so how can we answer to that? But there's somebody out there who has experienced that, and they can give an answer. So you seek counsel before you make choices. Talk to someone that you have confidence in. Talk to someone that you have confidence that they are a faithful man or a woman of God. They, they love the Lord, and you know that they're in the Word of God. And don't be afraid to go to them and say, you know, I'm considering doing this and I just can't get a clear reading from God. Should I go to Moab? You know, things are pretty bad here. It seems like the circumstances, that's another thing that we consider when we make choices, are the circumstances that we're going through. It seems like the circumstances that we're going through would dictate that I go somewhere else. But, Then there is this teaching in the Bible about we're not to be friends with the world, we're not to be friends with the Moabites. So I don't understand, what should I do here? Sometimes it's good to get good counsel and talk to someone who has a deeper understanding of meaning. And if they're a a trustworthy advisor, they're not gonna tell you that this is what you should or shouldn't do. I have had a preacher friend, he's in glory now, I had a preacher friend that I used to call when I first started to preach uh, and about difficult decisions, things arising in the church that i would never had to deal with as a pastor. I, I was a member and i seen those things happen. Uh, but when I became a pastor, I didn't really know what's the best way to handle that situation so that you don't hurt people or chase people away or whatever it might be. So I had, I had preachers that I would call, a couple of different ones actually, But this one in particular, I would call him and talk to him. And I thought he was such a wise man because he would listen to me and he'd say, well, number one, I've experienced that before. And when I experienced it, I handled it this way, this was the outcome. Or he may say, you know, I've never experienced that before. I've never been through that. But I suppose with my understanding of the Bible, that if I were to come to that, I would probably do it this way. I would do it this way. He never said you should do this this way, because circumstances for my setting would be different than his. But he would give me a he would give me a pattern to consider, scriptures to go to, and different things of that nature. So don't be afraid to get counsel. Don't be afraid to understand uh, the word of God. Sometimes is not as clear as you to us as we. Uh, but it will be there for us to make decisions because every decision we make will carry a consequence with it. And it may cost us more than we want to spend. It may take us farther than we want to go. The little act didn't plan on staying long. He sojourned. He ended up staying 10 years. He lost two of his sons. Uh, He lost himself. Uh, There's a cost, always a cost. It'll cost you more than you expect to spend, take you further than you want to go, and it'll keep you longer than you expect to stay. You didn't expect that. You, you, You make these decisions without asking God, and you're just gonna, I'm gonna just go down here and do this, and I'm gonna spend this much money, and then I'm just gonna come back. You don't know if any of that will happen. Only God does. God knows the end from the beginning. So why would you not go to the one who knows the outcome and seek guidance from him, then make those decisions without considering those kind of things. One of the things we find out in the book of Ruth, and we're not going to go through the, the chapter today um, because I came to this area that I wanted to put in here and it's going to take the rest of the time and I figured One of the things that, one of the lessons that can be learned through the book of Ruth is faithfulness. God is faithful. The reason you go to him in prayer, the reason you study his book, the, all scripture that is given by inspiration of God, all scripture that is profitable for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, so that the man of God, the woman of God, the boy and girl of God, may be completely furnished unto all good works. Go to that God because he is faithful. He has said it, so he will do it. He never fails. If he tells you, if you do this, I will bless you, you can count on it. He's going to bless you. Maybe not in the way you want, maybe not as quickly as you want to be blessed, but if he says he's going to bless you for doing it, he will bless you. Just wait. Be patient. Wait on the Lord. Again, I say wait. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Believe him. If he tells you not to do something, because if you do, I'm going to do this, he's going to do that. Just as much as the positive aspect. That's what he did uh, in Israel's existence throughout their history. He would tell them not to do this, because if you do this, I'm going to do this. I'm going to chase you. I'm going to... I'm gonna bring a famine into the land, whatever it may be. The book of Judges is, is full of those kind of admonitions for Israel not to turn away from God, and they did, and he did what he said he would do, and then they cried and asked him for forgive him. and God being a merciful and long-suffering and kind and generous God, he forgave them and would restore the land, much as he did in the book of Ruth. They left the land of bread, of milk and honey, and went to Moab, because they thought they could do better there, but then the better was back in Bethlehem, Judea. That's where everything was better. They just needed to wait on God. Sometimes all we need to do is wait. hard thing to do. It's easy to stand up here and say that. I'm not a waiter. Uh, I'm not very good at waiting. I'm, I'm impatient. Ken um, you knows. You know, I know that. Everybody knows you know that. You're an impatient person. But we need to learn to wait on God. Now, Deuteronomy 7, 9 says, Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God. Do you understand what does that mean? He is the only God. He is the creator and the sustainer of everything. He is God. We can't fathom. We really can't. We can't fathom the magnitude of God. I mean, the universe is massive. Billions of stars, probably. I don't know. I've never counted them. Uh, There's a little kid's song that popped in my mind, you know, uh, about the stars in the heaven, and have you ever counted them? Nobody can count the stars. There's so many stars out there. He knows every one of them. He's named them. He's God. He's bigger than the universe. He's, He's that God that we can trust. That's why we need to go to him. You can trust him. You can trust him to keep his promise to bless you. If you do, he said, I said, before you, blessings and cursings, in the book of Deuteronomy, Uh, choose blessings, you know, you've got a choice, make a choice, count the cost, understand the consequences. You make the right choice, you'll be blessed. You make the wrong choice, then I'm gonna punish you. And he'll keep that promise just as well. So he says, he said, I am the Lord God, he is God, the faithful God. God is faithful. And it says that which keepeth the covenant and mercy with them that love him. We skip over that sometimes when we read. There are conditions in the Bible, there are unconditional promises in the Bible that God is going to perform because he has chosen to do so. But there are many promises in the Bible that are conditional promises. God says, if you do this, I'll do that. Sometimes we do stuff and we don't get blessed, and we say, well, I thought you said you'd bless me. He said, if you do this, but you didn't do that. You didn't do it the right way. You didn't do it for the right motive. Uh, And so he says, I'm not going to bless you for it. But he says, to them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations, So there's conditions to God blessing us and answering our prayer on the things that we want and in revealing to us an answer to our prayer. You know, the Bible tells us not to be anxious over anything, but by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And if you do that, he goes on down and says, and then you will have the uh, peace that passes all understanding. But that's doing what he said his way. If you don't do it that way, he's not going to do those things. So God is faithful. There's no doubt about that. The question is, are we faithful to God? That's what we're going to find out in the book of Ruth also. Was Ruth faithful to God? And you're going to find out that she was. Her faithfulness began with her journey back to uh, Bethlehem Judea with Naomi, which shouldn't be taken lightly. It was a very uh, challenging decision to make. For two women to be traveling in the wilderness by themselves, uh, for one of them to be a Gentile going to the land of Israel and all of the things that that entailed, uh, for leaving her own family, turning her back on her own family, um, turning her back on her God and coming to know the God uh, that we just talked about, she followed. She didn't let anything stand in her way from doing that. And so that's what we're going to be looking at next week. is are we faithful to God? Now, there's a verse in Proverbs, chapter 28, verse 29, I think, that says there are many who, I'm going to paraphrase this. I'll take the phrase from Brother. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are many who think they're faithful in their own mind, but are they faithful? You may think you're faithful. You may think that what you do causes you to be faithful or demonstrates that you're faithful. But are you faithful according to the standard of faithfulness? That faithfulness of God and Jesus Christ. That's the standard of faithfulness. He never wavers. Do we waver? Do we find Ruth being faithful? And I think you'll find out by the time we end the story, if you haven't read the book already, you should be reading it. You'll find out that Ruth was faithful to the end. She, she continued to be faithful. 2 Chronicles 16, 9 says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. That word loyal there means faithful. He's going all through the world seeking for those who are faithful. But he's not finding many, and they seem to be coming fewer and fewer, even in our churches that believe in the inerrancy of the Word of God, that believe that God says what he means and means what he says, it's getting harder and harder to find church members that are faithful to him. Which is sad, isn't it? Because he's so faithful to us. Paul said that it is required of a steward that a man, women, be found what? Faithful. And so we'll look at that next. Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be here. Thank you for the ones that have come. We thank you for those who are faithful in our church. And Lord, we know there are others who want to be and would be here, their heart is bright, but their physical abilities are limited. And we know that you'll bless them as well. We pray for our shadows. And we ask, Lord, that you will help us to examine our own lives. Do we just think we're faithful, making that comparison to other people, Or do we know that we're faithful because we're making a comparison to your word and to your standards? Help us to be faithful. Forgive us of our sins. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, let's take a break. (laughs) Dad, Dad, when you we're going to see that